We went from there to a continuation school. I love continuation schools because um, some of the young people in those schools have been given up on, and, and people tell them what a nothing they are. And, and we went into that continuation school, and I delivered my message that day, and we were breaking bats, and I, I broke this brand-new Derek Barton baseball bat that Derek had given me, and I felt bad because I was just snapping these bats, but this kid came up to me. He was a gang member. His name is Ruben. And Ruben said, why did you break that bat? It's a brand-new bat. We've got PE here. We're playing softball. We don't even have any bats. I felt horrible. I, I felt really bad. So, so that night, the entire continuation school came to the night meeting. The, the church filled with students. And I remember um, setting a bat aside that night. I broke all the bats but one. And when I gave the invitation, I looked down, and there standing was Corey at the front with tears running down his cheeks. I looked over to my right, and there stood Reuben, that gang member. And I reached over, and I took that bat, that brand-new bat, and handed it to Reuben. And he looked at me with his big smile on his face. He said, thank you. I said, man, I said, I couldn't break that bat. I said, I was just thinking about if you came tonight, I wanted to give you a new bat. So I gave him the bat, and he was so happy. People ask me for 29 years, why do you go into public schools? Because if you can go and, and, and see those students come to the night meeting and, and see the feats of strength and hear our testimonies, it makes it worthwhile. The other area that I feel very called to, and uh, this was our 29th, 29th Easter camp we just finished. And, and over half the kids were baptized in the Holy Spirit that were at the camp. It was just a move of God. And, um, I'm looking at Sabrina on the front row. Sabrina, how, how many camps have you been to? Five, five years? You've been going to our camps? Come here real quick. Come here, Sabrina. I, I, I looked at you up here singing for the Lord. Come here. And um, you, you, were, uh, you, you were just singing, and, and, and you were worshiping. And, and um, I, I know that your team won last year, right, because of you? The girls, yes, we did win. <laughs> The girls won at camp. They won. We have, we have teams. What was the name of your team? Oh, what were we? Spider-Man. That's right. Our, our theme. Okay. Okay. Our theme last year for you that are thinking we're way out. Our, our theme was last year heroes. And it was about, we took superheroes and we talked about how Jesus is the ultimate hero. And uh, all week they had different names. And, and you know what? Our, our theme this summer is Call of Duty. And um, we, we're excited. Yeah, come on. So um, I, I uh, pastor's going to, in just a moment, come and receive an offering for camp. But why, why would you say, in your own words, that camp is important for a young person to be at? Um, camp is just a, a blessing to be at. I mean, it's a life-changing experience. Um, every time I see the youth, and my heart goes out to these youth, and I, when I serve, just seeing their faces and seeing what God did for them, you know, whether it had been, you know, bad relationships and bad home lives, you know, but them coming together and for one purpose, and that's to glorify God and just to seek God more. Um, when they come back, it's just like, Wow, that's that's what I get from it. Just seeing their lives changed, seeing them growing, seeing them pursuing what God has for them, them not feeling like they're worthless, them not feeling, you know, inadequate, but knowing that through God, you know, they are number one, you know, so. Thank you, Serena. Thanks for being at our camps. Um, every year we, we scholarship single parent, foster care, group home, and kids that can't afford to go to camp. And every time I've been here before a summer camp, you guys have helped a scholarship students to camp. I was just in Las Vegas. I drove home uh, last night, and uh, I met with a pastor there. And he said, Donnie, he said, we have so many inner city kids coming. They have right behind where the church is located uh, an impact center. And uh, they, they're doing outreaches to, to that entire area. And it's just amazing uh, what's happening. They're going to drive 600 miles to come to our summer camp. We got right now San Diego Rich, just someone from there called, and they're bringing kids up. I mean, we had one, and I won't go into detail, but one parent from Canada 
who, who's there's their kid was on drugs and messed up and they didn't know what to do. So they sent them, flew them to Sacramento. We picked them up at the airport to bring them to our camp. And, and so what we're doing is um, it costs for a week, $200. And, and tonight, if you're a visitor, relax. There's no obligation for you to participate in this offer. I don't want you to feel any pressure, but maybe you can't afford the scholarship uh, of one person to camp, or maybe you can do a half scholarship or a little but every bit counts, and we, we are going to send as many kids as we can to summer camp by way of scholarship. And if God would speak to you, I'm going to turn it back to Pastor, and the player is going to come in just a minute and share. But I'd rather do this and, and give you opportunity to participate because I really want you to hear their hearts and hear the message that I have for you tonight. Then, then at the end of the service, stand up and say, by the way, I just want you to know what you're giving to. And I look at Sabrina, and I just know the young people that, that will be at camp from this church and what God does in their lives. And you give me a week, you give me a week with the hardest young person, the hardest, the most rebellious. And I'll tell you something, God with his anointing and power will reach into their heart because if you show me a rebellious teenager, I'll show you a hurt teenager. And if you touch that hurt, you'll reach them. And, and that's what God has anointed us to do. Pastor Mark. Awesome. You know, both of our, our sons, John and James, the sons of thunder, have been impacted greatly by Radical Reality Ministries. They've been to the camp. You know John's pastor in a church in Costa Mesa. You know James was on staff here for a while. Now he's in Branson helping a church down there. And I tell you what, it's just a great place to get really focused on the call of God and the grace that God has deposited on the inside of you. So I want us, Heart of the Bay, to sow a very, very good seed. We're going to be mailing a very healthy check to Brother Moore's ministry tomorrow. Our ladies that do the counting are kind of out of town, so normally we don't do that. We're going to be shipping it off directly tomorrow. So let's sow our very best seed, amen? Then I'm going to see what we can sow out of the general fund as well. Let's give healthy and let's give big because there is a cause, ladies and gentlemen. The ushers are going to wait on you. If you're writing your checks out, please write them out to HBCC and we'll make sure that everything... I was worth coming tonight right there. <laughs> when you're in it, you think it's normal. And uh, I, I've got some folks with me tonight that I'm sanctified proud of. I really am. Uh, Casey, will you come up first? This is Casey Chavez. He's our bullpen catcher. Some of you recognize the name because his brother has left us for the Yankees, and, and I've forgiven him. I've worked through it. It's been really hard to forgive your brother, but I've released him from my judgment, and I've forgiven him. But Case, um, I, I say this all the time. You have been such a light in the clubhouse and an influencer uh, for many of the guys on the team. And uh, just a few years ago, uh, you came to a place where you said yes to Jesus and no to some things that, you know, you needed to say no to. What caused that transition? Uh, basically, I just, uh, I got tired of myself. And uh, nothing, nothing was working out. Everything, every corner I turned, everything I touched was just rotten. And uh, I got lost. And I got so lost, I, I got found. <laughs> I mean... That, that, that was just it. I, I just, I didn't have any, you know, anything left in me. There was just, God let me get to a point where there was nothing left for myself. I didn't have anything, nothing to brag about. Couldn't even talk to my family about how I was feeling inside. And uh, I just got down on my knees and I said, you know, I, I'd said yes to Jesus before, but this is really the first time I said no to myself. And uh, as soon as I did that, I said, I got down on my knees and I looked up at the Lord and I said, okay, God. I know who you are. I'm going I'm to face you now. I'm not going to turn from you anymore. I'm not going to give you a little bit of this or a little bit of that. I'm not going to give you a tip. And I said, if we're going to start this, we're going to finish this. And, uh, and then I found out he's the guy who finishes things before he starts them. You know, cases, um, you know, you said something a couple of weeks ago. You say, I'm just a servant. I, I just serve where I'm at. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean... If, uh, God, the Bible's so beautiful when, uh, when you can sit in there and read about a life. That's why I love God. I mean, to come down and give you an example of 
how to live and what you're supposed to do and what kind of perspective you're supposed to have when the world tells you so many things that aren't right. And we're, and we're all following them. And we all, we all, we're all, we, we get moved so quick, whether it be a song, something said about you, an emotion that you're feeling, and everything comes crashing down. And there we go, right there, like a fly to the trap. And uh, Jesus said, I came to serve. And when you think about that perspective, if you just keep serving, and, and you think about the people that's around you, and how I can just keep serving. There's no greater fulfillment in life than to just keep serving. And, and Donnie's all about the youth. You know, that's why, that's why anytime Donnie asks me to do anything, I, my answer is yes. Because he's out there serving the youth, the next generation. And uh, to serve people is because you're really serving God. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're behind a mop. You know, I, I would tell people now, if I'm, if I'm going to be in heaven, which I am, if I got a mop, I'm, I'm going to be the best floor I can have. You know, but... That's what I do, you know, in baseball. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff flying around in the clubhouse because you got so many different people, so many aspects of life, so many different good characteristics also mixed with very bad characteristics all at once. And uh, you can get caught up. But if you just focus on serving God every day, it's just you, you can't lose focus. God is, uh, is blessed, Casey, with a wife. I got to go down and fish do the ceremony and now uh she's here tonight and with child uh would you stand up and introduce your wife bro yeah this is my uh, beautiful wife abby yeah she's uh, got some friends with her actually i just met from college and zach and Jana, right Jana, and uh yeah we just met too and it seems like we're on a path that we didn't know we were on and now we're here but uh yeah, just a quick thing about that. Um, that's how I started, with God down on my knees with nothing, saying, okay, God, if we're going to start this, we're going to finish this. And since then, things have been getting started. I mean, my wife right here just, God, I'm going to get choked up because I'm a man who uh, honestly lost hope. I'm finding a wife because I lost hope in myself. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I love kids, man. And I got a little baby coming. And never, ever in my life was I fit to have a woman. I didn't know what woman was for, so I abused the purpose of a woman. And I definitely was not fit to be a father. And people ask me, you getting nervous? You getting nervous? And no, no, no. I'm excited because God's trusted me with that. So I know I'm doing something right. I'm walking right. And I got so much joy in my heart. It's just spilling out. I, uh, I, have, I can listen to these guys all night, and I have a message to preach. But, uh, Gio, will you come here? I, I, I don't even know. Uh, I don't want to embarrass Gio, but he is, he, he is one of the the premier pitchers now in baseball and, and, and people know him for his, his abilities on the mound. But I, I got to share one quick story because it was so Christ-like. We were at spring training and I was on the field. He was signing uh, autographs for people in the stands and the players were, you know, signing for all the kids and just a few s small ones remained. And so I was out there with Gio and I was watching him sign and, and I said, Hey, I'm going to go inside and, and, and get some water. And there was one boy left, and uh, I, I get choked up when I share this story, man. Don't do it, Dan. But, but, but um, I went inside to get some water, and I came back, and Gio had taken this kid out of the stands, and he's, like, playing catch with him. And um, I thought, you know, this 11-year-old boy will probably never, ever forget this. I looked up, and Gio's got him on the mound, and, and, and the kid's pitching, and Gio's giving him pitching points like you know I, I, yeah and i i just looked at that and i said if that there's no cameras there, there nobody there just a major league baseball player loving on a kid and i thought you know that is such an example of christ and um <laughs> you know <clears throat> i feel like i've been doing this I've been the chaplain for the a's for uh, over 20 years 
and you, you see these young guys come in like this and you, you literally become like a dad to them and you get to speak into their lives and you watch them grow and, and you, you see them. And Gio's one of those guys I've watched in the last two years, coach. I've watched just God just get a hold of his life and, and begin to move in him and, and change him and, and just see, you know, his tender heart. What makes you, Gio, I always see you with the fans signing and even Little League day to day. You're down there giving kids five and late for church. But anyway. Uh, I made it up here. That's right, baby. <laughs> so what, 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 what is in you that caused that way you're raised? Or what, what are the things that cause you to be so kind to people? Well, uh, when I was younger, my, it was always a competition in my family. You know, my brother was always the best. And, um, but the thing about that was I always put it, my father, who was the one that made us that way. And it was always a good way. We always competed to always get the best neighborhood kids, bring them over. We always played baseball, any sport we can get a hold of. And, and it was just, my family's always been like an open door. Come, come inside, whatever you want to eat. It's all on you, whatever you want. You know, he would feed up the whole neighborhood. A lot of the kids that I grew up with lost their father or a family member. And uh, they always came to my dad as, as, as their father, as their, you know, whatever he wanted to talk about. But at the same time, they were, <laughs> they were interested to look at because most of the kids were problem childs. So my dad would make me sit down in front of them and go, see, that's what you're not supposed to be. See that? Don't act like that. I don't <laughs> but it was always uh, definitely my mom and dad who, who struggled real hard to get me and my brother where we were at. And, um, you know... I remember pushing car, pushing my car uh, at 11, 12 years old, pushing a car in the middle of the street when we had nothing, we had no money. But the always, we always found some way of finding joy in a day. Like they always found a way to take us to Disney World, uh, Islands of Adventure, stuff that we didn't afford, we couldn't afford. But somehow, some way, we had money for it. So that's how I always looked at it. My family was a blessing to give to me and. I always go back, and my dad always says, always be humble. You're not better than anyone, no matter where you're at. And I always put myself at, you know, that kid in the stands waving, and can I get an autograph? I remember that because I used to be that guy. And still this day, I give Ricky Henderson stuff about it. You know, when I told him, sign me this ball in the sweet spot, and he's like, no, a friend of mine, I promised him I was going to sign it there. And now I see him now, and I tell him, so what happened to your friend? Can you finally sign in the sweet spot? So he grabs the baseball and goes, I got you, Gio. Come on now. Signing on the sweet spot. I, go, I don't want it no more, Ricky. I'm already at your level, so <laughs> keep it. It's yours. <laughs> but that, uh, that's what I'm talking about as in personality. I'm, I'm the goofball in the whole group, so, you know, it's what keeps the whole team balanced. Uh, you know, I, I like cracking jokes. Ask Casey. I'm a big fan of it. I, I t- <laughs> it's one thing that I know that he knows me better than anyone. He's been with me for four years where... I can uh, go to Casey, and if I'm having a tough day, he's, he reads me like a book. It's unbelievable. I don't know what chapter he's in with me now, so, yeah. so I just try to keep it away from Casey's as well. I see Casey, and I go, oh, wait, uh, go this way. He's coming. No, forget it. <laughs> but definitely, it's, I give all that thanks to my father and, and my family. But today it was funny because uh, my dad came to church, and he said he prayed for me, and he said, uh, I'm praying for you because I came to the front of the church with your mother and, and everyone back home now. It's ridiculous. It's kind of funny because it kind of gets me worked up. I'm one out of a million kids in Hialeah, Florida, still to this day that lives in Florida, in Hialeah, Florida, that gets recognized. And my pastor prays for me every start, calls me every start. My parents, neighborhood kids, family, friends, all go to... <laughs> Whew. They all go to these uh, restaurants, these these places, just to see the day I pitch. They wait till 10 o'clock at night to see me pitch at 7 o'clock at night on the West Coast. So just let you know where I stand. You got me all choked up now. You know, it's like... Um, a lot of times on Sunday we have, uh, well, we have church service in the weight room, and a lot of pitchers on their pitch day because they have routines, they they won't make it to to chapel, and he always on his pitch day, 
You know, he'll come into chapel, even though he might have to get out early. And he knows if I see him or if he doesn't see Case, I always lay my hands on him. And um, just if Casey misses him, like one day, I, one yeah. And uh, and I know those people in Florida, it's so touching that, that they go to see him pitch. But I know that uh, a lot of folks, you know, they're here and they don't even know uh, what chapel is and how we have service and the players that without naming names that are coming um, and talk about that a little bit in the atmosphere spiritually on our team. Of course. You ever want to see the hypest, most loud out of 10 all the time, this man right here. He will get you to the best point of your life ever where you could just sit there and just go, man, I'm just hoping he breaks something in this weight room right now of how (laughs) excited he is. Just he gets everyone revved up. You know, when he gets in there, I think that's the reason why we lost today, because of him. He got the other side all excited, <laughs> ripping up magazines, throwing it around, getting the other side all hyped, and we're all sitting there with our thumbs in our mouth going, did Donnie just really hug them up? But no, the, the, the spirit, the, 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 the excitement that Donnie brings to the chapel, and, and not only Bible study, too, because Ty Waller and Donnie, I was saying these three are fun to watch, because it's a competition, a friendly, which they don't see it, but I do from the side, which they all bring something different to the table and which you can always pick up. And I, I love listening. That's why I try to go to chapel and Bible study always with when they're around because, you know, Ty has inspiring words. Donnie comes ready, set always. And Casey just uh, always finishes off with something good, a good prayer. And, you know, these guys bring something always, something exciting, something new, something different. You know, not where you just want to go on. It's the same thing always. It's always something to hit you from the side. You never know it's coming. And uh, Donnie's always been a bit of inspiration. I've been here now for four years with the Oakland A's. And I call this home for me because it's the only place I know. And I'm starting to get realize how bad the humidity sucks on the East Coast. And <laughs> but um, definitely, I, I love I love being around these guys they bring such a joy and not only that we have some teammates on our team that 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 definitely turn things around that are are starting to look now mature and and ready to go for the season we we pray about it i joked around with casey today about you know having the music which is i love that the music i I, that's what i always showed up early for was because it was the 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 noise the, the guitar the bass whatever you want to put any noise you could put out there that sings you know the word of god and and all that excitement just pours out saying, you know, I'm here. Take me as I am. I'm ready to go whenever you need me. Um, I, uh, I got to preach in about four minutes. So I don't know if you can do this, Ty. But Ty Waller has um, been with the Oakland A's now as bench coach. Now he's the first base coach. You see him out there at the Coliseum. He is a spirit-filled man of God. And um, I, I'm not just saying that. He, he influences not just the players, my life. And it's just a joy to be around somebody that is full of the word. And, and the word comes out of him. And he is one of those individuals that uh, I remember last year on Church Community Day when he shared at the end, Josh Hamilton was sitting there. He was, can that guy talk some more? I mean, because he had something to say, and he always does. And I, I'm just so glad he's here. Would you give Ty a big hand as he comes? I, um, I told Ty this morning, I said, hey, you want to come to church tonight? And uh, Ty goes, am I sweats? I said, you'll be fine. Trust me, this church is okay with you coming in your sweats. All right. The Bible says come as you are, doesn't it? But anyway, you know, just listen to these guys talk. This is us. God put us in the right place so we can lift up one another and grow together. So he started on Donnie a long time ago, started lifting the weight. So on his, what, what birthday, 55th? No. 54th? I won't get it. I won't tell honey that. I thought I was good with that. But anyway, he lifted 500 pounds. So he started on Donnie way back. I don't know what age started lifting weights so he could pour some word into him and use the feats of strength to share the gospel. All right. He started on Casey a long time ago in San Diego, raised in a baseball family, brought him all the way here as a bench, uh, as a bullpen catcher and saved him 
to be a light in that clubhouse way back then. See, God, he didn't begin in the beginning. He began the beginning. Think about it. He didn't start when start got started. He started start. When there was nothing, he was there. And he's always going to be there. So he brought you here tonight to hear that message. See, he started on Gio way back in the humidity of the East Coast, learning how to throw a curveball. Put him in the right family to get everything he needed so that God could use him the way he wants to use him. And he wants to do the same for every one of you here. So if you didn't know it before you walked in that door, believe it now. See, just like they can touch a life, they can, you can touch a life in your neighborhood, in your household, at your workplace, in your community. So ask yourself, what am I doing? Am I just going through life wondering what the day's going to bring? Or do I get up out of the bed with purpose, with a mandate to do something, to do something? God didn't put you on this earth just to take up air and eat the food. He had a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. So it's not by accident that you showed up today. Don't think you just happened along the way. God brought you here. He made sure you weren't anywhere else today. All right. I'm going to say that again. He made sure that you weren't anywhere else today. So what's in your heart, what's in your mind, what's on your mind to do, start down that road right now. If you got to map it out, the back of 2-2 two two says write it down, make it plain. That somebody can see it, can take it and run with it. Can you run with your plan? Or do you have a plan? If you don't have a plan, seek God. Seek God. He's always there. He's always there. There's nowhere you can go. He's not there already. Nowhere. When you're at your lowest point, he's there. When you're at your highest point, he's there. Sometimes when we get up here, we don't recognize it because we got it all under control then. But when we get down low, then we get on our knees, and now we go get our help. Know where your help comes from. You see, I'm glad that he saved me way back in the day. So I know I got a purpose. I, got, I know where I'm going. I know the road I'm traveling. I know my end right now. And he showed me that a long time ago. See, he wouldn't have created you if it, without a purpose. You know, and I, I believe that. If we could just wake up and realize really what we're capable of doing, We'll make a difference in this world. And the world that you're traveling, you can make a difference. So I'm, I'm glad to be here with Donnie tonight. I see what he's doing. This man is doing ministry. He's doing real ministry on a regular basis. He's in that clubhouse preaching the walls all around that clubhouse. The people he bring in are doing ministry. And he's touching lives. But see, God said, he that has an ear, let him hear. So that's what I'm saying to you today. If you got ears, hear. Let it soak in your heart. Let it wake you up and ignite you to go do something. See, God is using, he, 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 he just wants to use you to reach your neighbor, your loved one. But see, if we don't learn and we don't grow, we don't know what to give them. But start right now. I, that, that's where my inspiration comes from. It comes from God that we can see people accomplish more. Watching these guys grow is a treat to me. Seeing God work in a life and see where they were and see where they are now. That's special. I know the pastors can relate to that. That gives you a warm feeling inside and it makes it all worth it. So he that has an ear, let him hear. Come on, baby. Come on. I said, um, I'm telling you, church community today, September the 3rd. You want to hear part two? September the 3rd, after the game, the players are going to come out, share their testimony. We're going to do the feats of strength on the dugout and invite the fans to stay after the game. That's going to be exciting. So pray for that date, September the 3rd. First John chapter 4, verse 8. He that does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
First John four sixteen, and we have known and believed. How many know it's one thing to know, it's another thing to believe? Isn't it interesting it says that? We have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love, and he that abides in love abides in God and God in him. God's extravagant love. God's extravagant love. They ask eight-year-olds for the definition of love. Rebecca said this. My grandmother got arthritis and couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So now my grandfather does it for her. Billy said, love is when someone says your name. You know that your name is safe in their mouth. Carl said this. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> Ken, Ken said love is in the room at Christmas after you open your presents and just listen. Karen said love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and then he wears it every day. Cindy said this. She said, I know my older sister loves me because she gives me all of her old clothes and now she has to go out and buy new ones. First John 4, 8. He that does not love does not know God for God is love. This is probably the foundational text of the early church. If they were to describe themselves, they describe themselves in terms of love. They had come to a revelation of who God really was. And of all the religions of the world, and there was a zoo of them screaming and trying to describe who God is. And Jesus Christ brought full revelation of what God is like. And when God himself turned up in Jesus Christ and revealed who he was and is, it was totally like any other religion on the face of the earth. You see, every cult and religion that originates in the mind of man, therefore produces a God in the image of man. So when God revealed himself, he was a scandal of religion because he shocked every religious person because he was completely other than the way they thought he should be. Our text, God is love. If you're taking notes tonight, simply point one, God is love. Now, God's love has nothing to do with we as human beings have his love. It's not even the same word. There, there were words on the streets of Rome like agape. It wasn't agape yet. It was words like eros. Words like phileo, words like story. And, and those words described different aspects of love. Now, God doesn't even allow, when you think about the word that was used for love, like eros in the New Testament. Nothing wrong with that word. It's a committed love. It's a married love. We know what eros is. But think about this. It boggles my mind. In the Greek dictionary... The word that is talked about, that's introduced by Jesus, is the word agape. It's the very essence of God and the heart of God. Christianity, that, that word agape. Agape is the love God has for you. If we abide in agape, that's the word he's using here. And let's talk about human love. You hear people say, I've fallen in love. How I many know you fall into a creek? When, when you say, I've fallen, something has happened to you out of control. And there you have the beginning between our love and God's love. Human love is an emotion. It, it can be so overwhelming. Sometimes it can wipe us out. It can be hot, but in a few hours it can turn cold. Human love is ready to die for its object. And a week later it's ready to kill its object. <laughs> Novels are written about this crazy human love. It goes up and down. It can be so quickly offended. Well, what do you mean when you say I've fallen in love? It means we have discovered the person who in our eyes is the highest, the most glorious human being we have ever met, the best specimen of the human race. This perfect creature, because they match up to a standard inside of our head, they pass all our requirements. They're beautiful in our eyes. When we get together, we think with one mind. Our hearts beat with one beat. Our lives are like a symphony. I've fallen in love. The person I'm proud to walk beside with stars in my eyes because I've captured this beauty for myself. Whether we realize it or not, that's conditional love. In human love, there's always a because. 
Because I see you as beautiful, I'm drawn to you. Because our hearts beat as one. Because we think alike. There's always a because in human love. It's a conditional love. And right there you have the infinite Grand Canyon between human love and God's love. So everything I said about human love is not true of God's love. God doesn't fall in love. He chooses to love. But if God loves those only he deems to be the highest, the best of the human race, if he loves only those that pass his checklist, whose minds beat as one mind like his, who are the holiest, then I don't stand a chance, and neither do you. See, God's love is not an emotion. However, it's emotional. I mean, Jesus, he he wept over Jerusalem. At Lazarus' grave, great tears did he cry. God is love. If you think about it, I have a, a bottle of, of water and the, the bottle contains the water. How about the Pacific Ocean? Large amounts of water. See, there's a difference between having water and being water. See, God doesn't have all the love there is to have. He is it. <laughs> He is it. He doesn't have all the love there is to have in the world. He is it. God is love. The second thing that I want you to see is God is life. The life was manifested. We have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which the Father had manifested to us. See, God created man because the life that God is and has is so infinitely fantastic, he couldn't keep it to himself. <laughs> Think about that. God is life. And that life that he is, which he has, is so glorious, he chose freely to make others who would be in his class, in his image, in his likeness, so they were incapable, or they were capable of enjoying this life. God didn't create man because he was lonely. I read a book when I first got saved. God was lonely. He needed someone to talk to, so he created man. In the beginning, God was complete in himself. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. The Holy Spirit is eternal celebration of life. God was not lonely. He was not looking for someone to talk to. God is complete in himself. He didn't need anybody to complete him. If man completed him, then man is a part of God, and God was not quite God without us. God created man because he loved, and he freely chose to create him out of his life. And after he created him, godly, God freely loved him. What was it like to be the first man and be loved simply because you exist? No performing. He had to do anything to be loved. God's love toward him was because of who God was, not because of who man was. It's not like God made man and then he said, you got to do something. And God says, I think I ought to love you because of what you did. Performing or deserving had nothing to do with this. Man is loved simply because he's created by God who is love. He is love, not because of what he does. Not because of who he is, but because of who God is. God's love is spontaneous. It leaps out. It's not the object that draws it out. God loves because of who he is. His love is free, uncaused. So by necessity, there's no condition to it. So you exist, Adam. You're loved. Adam doesn't go to bed wondering, can I make it one more day and still be loved? Do I have to do something tomorrow to make God continue to love me? Adam simply is. He doesn't have to do. See, when God created Man, he created him a human being. But after the fall, he became a human doing. Before the fall, he was a human being. He created him. But after the fall, he became a human doing. And we have a gospel. It's so much in the body of Christ. It's a if you do this, then you can have that. If you eat your beans, I tell my boy, you can stay up and watch TV. If you do your homework, then I will... Buy you an iTunes card. If you get good grades, you'll go to a good college. If you 
do really good in college, then you'll get a good job. If you work five days a week, then you get paid. If you work Saturday, Sunday, you'll get paid overtime. If then, if you're good, then you'll be loved. If you keep the rules, then you can be saved. If you come to church, then if you do this, then if you, how many conditions do I have to keep before I find this aloof love from God I'm looking for? God says, I will accept you, then I will change you. Conditional love says, I will change God, then you will accept me. How long did you pray today? Well, Donnie, I, I, I prayed uh, 10 minutes. God of the universe, all you give him was 10 minutes of prayer? How, how long did you read your Bible? Well, I, I read my Bible today about five, maybe, maybe 15 minutes. 15 minutes, God wrote you a love letter. All you could do is spend 15 minutes a day reading it. How much is enough? If you're going to have a ladder by which you climb to God's acceptance, how much is enough? How long do you have to pray before God says enough? You fulfill the condition. See, you read your Bible not to get God's love, but because you are loved. Legalism says do and you'll become. Grace says you are, so do. Legalism says to us, do and you'll become. But grace says, you are, so do. So, so think about it. We, we even in, our, in, in, in well-meaning Pentecostal circles, charismatic, whatever, Acts 1-8 says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will what? You will receive power and you will what? Be witnesses. We interpret that do witnessing, so we go hand out tracks on street corners and yell at people. <laughs> or knock on their doors when they're trying to have dinner and interrupt their dinner. Airports, shoving Bibles down people's throat, huh? Come on, somebody help me. I'm sound like Mario, huh? Somebody, somebody help me. Holy Ghost is all over you. <laughs> Excuse me, I got beside myself. <laughs> Need I go on? <laughs> See, if I'm unconditionally love, my response is what? Faith. Faith that says thank you. Faith that receives. See, God initiates. God starts this. He comes to us with unconditional love and infinite love. His love is not energy. It's not philosophy. It's the very person of God. And my response of faith links me, connects me to God. And I have a relationship with him. See, you weren't created for worship. You were created for relationship. And when people say that, they mean well. They mean, well, you were created for worship. What kind of God would create you and your only response 24-7 is to tell him how great he is? God created you for relationship. And when you have relationship with him, out of that flows worship. When you see what he's done for you, you see who he is, the only response is worship. That's called Christianity. Faith that dares to believe I'm unconditionally loved by this incredible Creator who chose to love me. By faith, I'm love. So my response now, I will organize my life in obedience to that love. Now I want to live right. With, with Donnie, if I go out and I, I, I live in sin and I, I don't serve God, I'm out there messing up. And does God still love me? Yeah. But, but you'll reap what you what? So. So, so in the reaping process, some of us know that. We, we have sown and we've reaped. doesn't mean God doesn't love us. And, and see, that's where we've messed up in, in the church because we, we get into this performance trap. We're, we're performing and we're doing and we know how to do all the things of church. Well, I have an emphasis or a relationship or intimacy with the God behind the things. So, so we can do church. We know when to stand up, clap, say amen, hallelujah. We, but, but the intimacy, the relationship, 
Here I am, God's creation, dependent on the creator, dependent on his love, resting by faith that he loves me, ordering my life around that. And here's my significance. Of all creation, I'm the only one that God has set his love upon. When angels fell, God didn't set his love upon them. He he has not set his love upon any other creature in all creation. Man walks with a sense of worth and significance that the creator loves me because I'm the focus of unconditional love. And I will celebrate that every day of my life. But man rejects that love. And that's what the fall is all about. Man declared himself independent. Picture this. Man lived in the posture of dependent obedience upon the creator that loved him. He rejects that love. He suffers separation from it. He makes a declaration of independence. He'll be on his own, and he'll what? Do his own thing. And God went looking for Adam. He called for him even though he knew where he was. He asked him to come out. He asked him what he had done even though God was there when he did it. He wanted him to come into the light because it's safe in the light. But that's where his unconditional love is. He says, come. So... God is love. He's life. And my my last point is simply this. He's life. What do you mean? When man did sin, he said, what? The woman you gave me. There was something defective about her from the beginning. (laughs) That woman. I mean, think about it. Before you're too hard, think about women. When Jesus raised, what were they doing? They were going to the grave. Where were the men? The women were going to the grave, taking spices. They're original spice girls. Anyway, let me move on. What did the woman say? The woman said, it's not me. It's the devil. She blamed it on the devil. There's no record of Adam and Eve ever repenting. However, there was God hounding them as they hid in the shadow of his light. The first man of faith in Hebrews 11 is Abel, not Adam. But so he flees from love. He flees from life. He flees from the light of God. And what was the devil's promise? If you make yourself independent of God, you will be a God. And this is the lie. If you don't get anything else out of this message, I get this. The lie is this. Man can have a do-it-yourself life that I can arrive at my fullest potential independent of God. In fact, I can be my own God. So man deals with God on equal terms. Man says, don't come to me that unconditional love stuff. That makes me too dependent. That's too humbling. No, I'm independent. If you're going to accept me, God, it's going to be on my terms. So man in his imagination created a God that doesn't exist. It's a God of conditional love. So I'll find out what he wants. I'll get the rules and I will keep the rules. And he will accept me on the basis that I've kept the rules. And and we have a hundred different ways of what the rules are. And, and, and finally, God himself, the creator, takes to himself creaturehood and lives among us. And the real God, when he came among us, religious man couldn't stand the sight of him. They said, you're talking to the wrong people. You're healing the wrong people because we've drawn our conditions. And we think we know who's worthy of love. And Jesus, you've chose all the wrong ones. Now, the God that took to himself our creatureness takes to himself our rebellion. The one we sinned against, takes our sin and pays for it. And he raises from the dead. And unconditional love has been forever defined in the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ defines unconditional love. And we think God's love is based on our performance, on what we do or we don't do. We think of God, we think of a list of religious duties. He expects us to perform. If we do what's on the list, we gain his acceptance. That's heresy. That's a part of Satan's lie. Listen, God's love for you has nothing to do with your performance. You cannot earn God's love because you didn't deserve it in the first place. There's nothing you can do that would make God stop loving you because there was nothing you did that caused him to start loving you.
I'm going to try this side. You guys look friendlier. I said, think about this. There is nothing you can do that would cause God to stop loving you. Because there was nothing you did that caused him to start loving you. That, to me, absolutely changes my whole walk with God. God does not love you because of what you do. God does not reject you because of what you haven't done. God loves you. And you see, then I want to bring my life into obedience to that love. Now I want to live right. The whole motive for serving God changes. He loves me. He loves me. And why would he want anything to do with me? But he, he, he does. And when, when we come to that revelation that he really loves me, and you can jump through all the hoops, you can perform, you can do all the things, but it doesn't change. See, I don't read the word because I have to. I read the word because I want to. I don't witness because I have to. I get to. Acts 1.8 says when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will what? Be a witness. And see, if, if you, all you do is set in be and never do, you don't understand the gospel. But, but when you set in be and you see, then you want to go do. Do you see the moment? You're, you're not doing, doing. That I pray that you may be rooted and established in love. <laughs> may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of Christ. <laughs> and to know his love that what? Surpasses knowledge. It's hard to even comprehend it. To communicate it much less. But once you get it in here. Hey, right out there on that field, I threw for 354 yards and four touchdown passes. Right out there at Chabot College when I was in high school. Back then, throwing for over 300 yards is a lot of yards. And I threw, and I went right down there, not right down that road, to eat after the game at McDonald's. I went out to that pay phone. Remember they have, you young people, you don't even know what pay phone is. <laughs> You don't even know. Gio, you don't even know what a payphone is. You have to watch a movie to see a payphone. You don't even. And I love my dad with all my heart, but I want to tell you a true story. I called him up. And I said, Dad, I said, were you at the game tonight? He said, yeah. He said on that last drive down the field when you rolled out of the pocket, he said there was a guy wide open in the end zone. He said you could have had a fifth touchdown pass. I hung the phone up. 17 years old. And I said four touchdown passes and 354 yards is not enough. And most of my young adult life, I was chasing that fifth touchdown. I met a God. That revealed himself in his unconditional love. And it took a number of years me walking as a Christian before I could walk into this revelation that I've shared with you. Pastor Mark, Pastor Bender was with me a couple of years ago during a difficult time. And my daughter, Rookie, I, I brought her to chapel today. She said to me about three or four years ago, Dad, if I went out and started living wrong, she said, you, you would probably disown me. And she was absolutely right. And I went to my knees and I said, God, what's wrong? And he said, Donnie, 
He said, uh, you can't give her unconditional love because you won't let me give you unconditional love. And he woke me up in the morning with that thought. There's nothing you can do. I heard his voice as clear as I ever heard it. There's nothing you can do, Donnie, that will cause me to stop loving you. Because there was nothing you did that caused me to start loving you. And it changed my life. And would, you, would you come home? I, I want to close and I, I want to say a prayer for you. And, and this, is, this is what I want you to grasp. And I, I, I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else I said. When it comes to the love of God, if God could get you alone tonight for 10 minutes and talk to you, what would he say to you? I'm going to tell you right now what 80% of you would say. God would say to me, why don't you pray more? Why don't you witness like you should? How come your thought life is not like it needs to be? Yield, confess, work, work harder. You need to do more for me. You're not living right. You're not holy enough. And then when you got down to it, there was not a word, thought, or feeling that you think that God really had toward you that was positive. I got a friend. I love him with all my heart. But every time I talk to him, Pastor Mark, he says to me, God really let me have it this week. He said, man, he goes, God sure blasted me last week. Man, this week. I, I stopped him. And I said, brother, I said, does God ever say, ever say anything nice to you? How are you going to draw near to a God you think is mad at you? It, it cracks me up. I, I went and spoke at a Christian school and Sabrina, they said, Donnie, let them have it. You go after those young people. Like, like this generation needs to be beat up some more. I tell you, though, I'm not saying this to be mean. I watched American Idol the other night, and Lady Gaga set me free from any lust that had ever been in my heart. I... <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to say that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, oh my. I want the video of that. I'm going to show that at my Men of God talk at camp. I want the boys to watch that. Wow. <laughs> I was working out in my weight room with a bunch of young guys, 20 years old. I'm not kidding you. I work out Mondays. I have a bunch of guys that work out, 12 of them. Rich back there, one of them, they, they come over and work at my house. And she came on, and, and, and every guy just, they're young men. They, oh, help, please. I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm serious. I, I actually, for, for the next night, I prayed for her. I, I felt sorry for her. I just went, oh, my God. It, it, it's, it was just sad. But, but God loves her. And, and one of the things that I've preached to these guys, people, <laughs> it's like when I invite guys, this one guy, I invite a chapel, he goes, I don't want to go in there. Because there's some hypocrites in there, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. I go, bro, we can always use one more. I mean, what? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for his love? His love causes, there has been a time where I'd have looked at Lady God, I'd have been angry. But I make a joke, but my heart broke for her. I, I, I just said, oh, God. There, there was a little girl in our camp. She came to me with big eyes, and she said, you know, I want, I want, I want to sing for the Lord. And I laid my hands on her. And I prayed over God's blessing. and She don't sing for the Lord today. She sings for the world. But I pray for Katy Perry. She was a little girl in our camp. 
Pastor, she, she went to our camp as a little girl. She sang in this church. This little girl. And I pray for Katie. I wish I could somehow, some way, just sit down with her. Say, Katie, remember when I laid my big hands on your little girl? She don't need anybody to beat her up. You know, uh, you never know. You, n- you never know. I spoke to uh, the visiting team, Chuck White Sox, and then I did the A's, and then the umpires invited me to come in and speak to the umpire. Let me know if you're speaking to the umpires. You better be anointed. <laughs> you, you better have... They can be mean, can't they, Gio? You even look at them wrong, huh? They, they, they ring, what do they do? How do they throw you out? Just like that. You're gone. Gone. I didn't feel old until today. I didn't. Until one umpire looked at me. Sincerely, Casey, looked at me and said, you know, Donnie? I said, yeah. He got all teary-eyed, and I thought, whoa, this is really moving. He's teary-eyed, the umpire. I didn't know what was going on. I said, God must be here. He looked at all the umpires. He goes, Donnie did my high school. I went, what? I did. Now, when you're doing the umpire's high school, dude, you've been doing this a long time. Scared me. All right. Here's here's what I, I want to do. I I, I want to look at you, and we didn't come tonight. If if you expected, you know, to come and get beat up and yelled at, and I, I know this church doesn't do that. I know your pastors too well. But the greatest motive for wanting to serve God is His love. Because I want to tell you something. You have no defense for it. <laughs> you can argue with every the woman at the well. Married five times. Now she turned and she got a six she's shacking up with. And, and what does Jesus do? He didn't mention her sin. He doesn't call her out. He's not holier than thou. If he'd have been holier than thou and started, she, she would have left. Why did she stay? I'm going to tell you why she stayed. He was the first person that ever probed her darkness and loved her at the same time. The Bible says the prodigal son, he was out there in a lifestyle that wasn't glorifying to God. And the people say, well, he came to his senses. You know what it says? It said, he said, how many of my father's servants, they've got food to eat. And here I am. It wasn't the father's love that brought him. It was his tummy. He was hungry. But it doesn't matter how you come. Here's God. And, and, the, and the son starts coming down the road, and, and it says he ran. The day God put on tennis shoes, I mean, he ran. And then the, the verb in the Greek is, he's, he, he started kissing him, and it was repeated. He didn't just kiss him one time. He, it was continue. He must have been Italian. If I, he just, yeah. But he smelled like a pig. He'd been in a pig. He'd been living. And, and you know the same word, and, and I'll shut up. In the book of Acts, when it says the Holy Spirit fell on them, is the same word used in the Greek there when the Father put his arms around him. See, sometimes when the Holy Spirit falls, it's just a hug. It's just embracing it. It just says, I love you. And sometimes that's all we need. We, we just need to know that he loves us. No matter what you're going through tonight, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, he loves you. And because he loves you, think about it. Girl, you were raised assembly. Think about this. Even in our repentance, we come to the altar and we say, God, this is what I've done. And God, this is what I haven't done. And this is what I promise you I'm going to do. Even in our repentance, we're 
making promises and saying, God, this is what I'm going to do. I promise you, God, this new year, this is what I'm going to do. And you know what God wants? He wants us just to come and say, it's me, God. And God just looks at us and says, come on. I love you just like you are. Let me change you. And then this journey, this walk, he just changes us. And we go through tough times and he loves us through them and we, we just get more like him. I got up this morning, I took a roll of toothpaste and it said right there, Crest toothpaste. How did I know that someone didn't put shaving cream in there? I put a little pressure on it. My little pull of pressure on it, I saw what was inside came out. You see, sometimes in life, <laughs> this thing called life puts some pressure in. I want Jesus. I want to be like him. And the way I act, the people would see him. Would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And Father, tonight, no illusions of grandeur or say anything that's going to change anybody here tonight. But Lord... I pray that you would send a spirit of encouragement across this auditorium. Lord, that people that uh, are here tonight for various reasons would know how much you love them. And and if you're here tonight and you've never surrendered to that love, you've never given your life, you've never given your heart to Jesus, and you'd like to tonight, I'm not going to stand you up, not going to call you forward. But if you would like to make him the Lord of your life and you'd like to invite Jesus Christ into your heart, you see how much he loves you and how much he's reached for you. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Donnie, would you include me in that closing prayer? I'd like to. I'm not serving God right now. I I need to. I I need to be right with him. And I just tonight. God bless you. You can put your hand out. Anybody else like that here tonight? Holy Spirit. God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else here tonight? Just slip your hand up and say, Donnie, pray for me. God bless you and you over here. God bless you over here, ma'am.